special Good Friday edition of Come and See St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Friday, April 18, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 18, verses 1 through 19, 42. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Tonight, we remembered the Last Supper and how Jesus went with his disciples after we had stripped the altar out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we read the passage from Matthew that ends with the arrest of Jesus and the fact that all of his disciples forsook him and fled. He was now alone. A very different scenario than what everybody thought was going to happen just five days earlier when he came into Jerusalem. That was when the crowds were all shouting and they were waving the palms and everything was going to be great. And finally, you know, we'd gotten to where we're supposed to be. And, you know, this is our victory march and things are going to be wonderful. And now he's alone. It is true that two of the disciples followed after him. John and Peter followed, but they followed at a distance because they were afraid. And when they got there, John, Peter would not even go into the, the house where the trial was going to be held he was even more afraid because he had cut off the slaves of the high priest's ear and he was afraid that someone would recognize him when the light was bright in there so he stayed outside and John went in to watch the proceedings and it was pretty much a kangaroo court I mean the verdict was already decided upon even before Jesus got there it was just a matter of going through the formalities and then when morning finally came they took him to Pilate because they wanted to have him executed because they believed that he blasphemed against the Most High. And so as they arrive, Pilate, you know, gazes at the scenario and he has mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, he doesn't really care about this Jew from Galilee. I mean, what difference would that make to him? But on the other hand, he really hates having the high priest tell him what he's supposed to do because he's the governor. And so he interrogates Jesus and says, well, I don't know who this guy is, but he doesn't look like much of a threat to me. And so he says, should I release him for you? Well, no, no. And he tries over and over again. And finally, they threaten him by saying, if you do not, if you release this man, you're no friend of the emperor. Now, Pilate had just received a letter from Caesar Augustus about a month before in which he said, if there are more uprising and problems in Jerusalem, you're going to be removed. Now, that's really bad, because if you got assigned to Jerusalem, that was sort of like considered the worst place on the planet that you could get assigned anyway. If you got removed from there, there was nowhere to go. You couldn't go down. I mean, you were just going to be out of work completely. And so he decides it's easier just to have him crucified. And Jesus goes to the cross where he dies. Again, so totally different than the celebration everybody was expecting. I mean, this isn't the end that they thought. You know, what happened to all of his followers? What happened to all the people cheering? What happened to all the hope and expectation he was going to make everything right? Instead, John, who's there with Jesus' mother and Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Clopas, looks up, and you can imagine how sad he must have been to think this is where it ends after all this. Now, 2,000 years later, we know that it wasn't the end, it was the beginning. And we know that his death on the cross was a victory, but they didn't know that then. And I think sometimes, because we know that, 
and we've known it for so long, we take it for granted. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh good, Jesus died for the sins of the world, thanks. And so it, we're that easy. And we seem to think that that's all there is to it. Jesus died for my sins, so now I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not a big deal. Now think about it, if it was going to be that easy, wouldn't God have found a better way than to have his son crucified? Couldn't he have just written in the, permanently in the sky, you know, don't worry about it, it's okay? You know, I understand. Wouldn't that have been much easier? But that's not what he did. There are some Christians today who don't even accept the fact that Jesus died on a cross for a sinner. They say that that's horrible. I mean, virtually, if you do that, that means that God the Father is guilty of cosmic child abuse because he sent him there on purpose. And they missed the whole point. You know, God has a real dilemma on his hands. He created us, and he loved us so much that he wanted us to be free to love him. He wanted us to be free to choose to obey him and do the things that he created us to do. But from the time of Adam and Eve, that had never happened. And so he tried lots of things. I mean, he sent, you know, prophets out to teach people. He sent judges out to lead people. You know, he sent all kinds of people you know, he gave them the law through Moses so that they could you know, have it in shorthand, you know, make it clear, here's what you're supposed to do. But nobody could ever do it. They failed over and over and over again. And so there had to be an entirely different way. Simply saying to them, now you all be nice, wasn't going to work. And what's kind of sad for the church today, I think, is that too often we've almost gone to the fact that, okay, I'm a Christian now, I'm supposed to be nice. And thinking that's what it is. The theology behind what happens on that cross is called the atonement. And it literally means the, uh, to become one with. And when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just him dying for the sins of the world. It was human nature itself suffering for the sins of the world. And while we would 